We can't talk. We have to listen to rock music. Don't talk to me about rock and roll. I am rock and roll. Thin Lizzy is a group I like a lot. There's a lady on there named Alice Cooper that seems kind of angry, but... I have no concept of knowing how to be a musician at all. Everyone knows more than I do. Hello and welcome to the Under Channel Songstervations. This time around, I've got a classic artist. We're going to jump back into the 70s here. This group, uh, th- this is actually a single off of their third album. Uh, the name of the album is All Together Now. The band is Argent. The song is Hold Your Head Up, 1972. Classic rock. I say I didn't realize this dated back that far. Oh yeah, mm. Argent. Uh, you know what's crazy about Argent? This is the band is named after Phil. His last name is Argent. Um, and I believe he was. Oh man, I'm gonna. I think he was the the keyboardist in this. Mm. Or maybe he was the keyboardist in the band I'm about to bring up. He was one of the founding members of the group The Zombies, mm. if you know who The Zombies are. I do. Uh, they had the hit song, Time of the Season, um, and She's Not There. Great song, yeah. if you remember that song. The Odyssey and the Oracle, is yep. the name of that album. Um, many of the members of that went on to be part of the Kinks as well. Oh. So there's it's kind of a, uh, a big deal. Um this song always sticks in my head. I remember hearing this song as a kid all the time. The song, the current version we're playing right now is the single. This is going to come off of Arjun's Greatest Hits, the singles collection. The original album track itself is like a six to seven minute long song. This is obviously like a radio edit. Um, just a cool vibe. I mean, the song just has a vibe through it the whole time you listen to it. Um, is it overly impressive? No. But can you just groove to it and drive? Oh yeah, can you can you can you break up uh, your weed and pack a bowl to it? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Sounds sure. like a Jethro Tull B side. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're just a good song. And Argent had other songs. You know, they they definitely had a couple other songs than this. Um, but this one always stuck out to me. Just a, just a good jam, just a good groove, repeated lyric that doesn't annoy you. You know, especially for the full version of the song. But it makes me think of one thing. Have you ever heard this song, Hawes? I have not, surprisingly. Okay. Yourself, Rob? Not not that I can okay. uh, recollect. Audience, chime in. Have you ever heard this song before? This song has existed for almost 50 years. That's a fucking fuckload of time. That's almost five decades. Yeah. The sands of time are not kind. Many things are forgotten throughout the years. And I'll tell you what. If I didn't bring this song here tonight, the two of you may have never heard this song before or ever again. Very true. And that's the point of the conversation I'd like to bring up. Songs lost through the sands of time. Songs that could be considered endangered species. 
And is there a, is there a responsibility of music lovers to make sure that that doesn't happen? Imagine all the music that you listen to, songs that you love, whether it's a one-hit wonder, a band that you cherish, an album you found in a 50-cent dump bin, music that you've come across that has really tied itself to your soul. Imagine that song 50 years from now. Will it be remembered? Will people still be listening to it? Or will it cease to exist? Argent is one of those bands, and I bring him up with this song, it was a hit. It charted. But obviously not many people know of it anymore. I mean, maybe this will get featured in a TV episode or a movie <laughs> or something, and somebody will catch on to it. But if that never happens, it'll cease to exist. If a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, does it actually fall? If a song exists but nobody ever hears it, what the hell good is it? So that is... My question to everybody out there listening, music can only go so far. Is there a responsibility of a music lover to keep music alive? What do you guys think? The Under Channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram now. Well, first off, I'm going to say I honestly didn't really dig up any artists that I could think of that were on their ways out because I really don't date that far back with music. But on the responsibility portion of this conversation. I don't think it's necessarily someone's duty to carry out the music. I think if somebody knows it and loves it the way they do, it's more of a personal thing. I don't know. I don't know if everybody else needs to know about it, hmm. if that makes sense. Counterpoint, I think that's actually my life mission, is to make <laughs> sure that people realize that there is good music that is being forgotten to time. I dug into this when you had sent us this topic yeah i think i learned this from kurt cobain because he was such a huge proponent of making sure people knew at one point he was the biggest rock star in the world and he would reference the pixies yeah. and the melvins and sonic youth he went out of his way and a lot all of, of these artists that ended up getting major label deals were basically on the backs of Kurt Cobain either wearing their shirt in you know, a tour or in a magazine or something. And uh, I have a few artists here, and I wanted to reference them because I have an artist that comes from that same, say, proto-grunge. Yeah. Right? The artists that existed in the early to mid-'80s that grunge kind of came out of. And everyone, everyone knows the Pixies. Mm -hmm. Spotify, monthly listeners, 4.6 million listens a month. Most people know Sonic Youth. 1.6 million listeners a month. That's a tragedy in some respects. Even less people, but the, still the name should at least elicit a response from you if you have any kind of taste in music halls. Don't be offended when I say this. The Melvins. 389,000 listeners a month. Mm. God, those numbers are dwarfing down. And there is one band that is widely considered by people who follow the creation of grunge and the the bands that kind of formulated that whole scene that to me has been completely lost in time. And I know it's not lost to you guys because I've done everything I can <laughs> to make sure you guys know. And that band is the almighty Killdozer. Killdozer. Formed in 1983 in Madison, Wisconsin. They currently, and this was uh, about a... Two weeks ago, I looked this up, 2,000 
836 listeners a month for a band that put out probably seven albums. If you look into Kurt Cobain, his diary where he had all of his favorite albums listed, it was there with the Beatles. It was there with Sonic Youth. They were at one point, I want to say they were signed to not Amp Rep. uh, What's that other big one of those big uh, 80s post-punk labels. I can't think of the name of it. Maybe the one that Tesco V ran. At one point, Killdozer was equally as popular as the Melvins, as the Pixies. They were one of those foundational bands. If anyone hasn't heard them, they are like super, super heavy, fuzzy garage rock. But the lead singer's got a real deep voice. And they... They sing way more about like the darker side of small town living, like lots of songs about fucking meth labs and you know, <laughs> uh, any kind of weird uh, incestual kind of feelings that uh, exist in small town America. So when I listen to the Pixies, they don't sound like grunge to me. They sound like an artist that was making a very specific original type of music. The Violent Femmes, they don't sound like anyone else in the world. I can see why so many alternative bands would look at those bands and consider them to be like the forefathers of their music. Killdozer sounds like a grunge band. They sound like if Killdozer was making their uh, what would you consider their formative albums mm-hmm. in 92, 93, 94. They did have an album in 94 called like 10 Point Buck, which is amazing. But at that point, that was their fifth album. That band had probably gone about as far as they possibly could have gone in the 80s. And they were just getting some of those residuals because that music grew up. But they didn't get the push to the mainstream. They didn't get the Grammys treatment where, you know, you hear about Frank Black performing with Dave Grohl or something in the 90s. You know, they didn't get that kind of push. And the band broke up and they had a lot more issues. And they kind of just became more of like a local band in Madison. Like playing, they basically at one point they were like Madison, Wisconsin's best bar band yeah. at the end of their career. But. If I get a chance to write down the annals of grunge music or hard rock music, like their name exists equally in the stage as as those other bands I mentioned. So I can't say to Hawes's point. I, hold I, on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let's go back to Kurt Cobain here. Okay. okay. He okay, I think himself as a famous musician may have the responsibility to press it but a great a dude like me power comes great responsibility nobody gives a shit what i have to say online and if i want to make come on like honestly though if i want to say this band from the 80s is amazing yeah on twitter what's that really gonna do or if i just tell my friends how on a on a scale where is that going but don't worry about the scale like you shouldn't be looking at kurt cobain and trying to compare the scale that you offer what you should be looking at is the people that you deal with on an immediate basis. Like when we were off here, you're talking about a friend at work who gave you that record, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, that would be somebody who you probably feel like you have a responsibility to. Hey, if you know of a mu- of music that you like, that you think that she would like, you feel like responsible to spread that okay. artist on because just because you're not Kurt Cobain and you can't be like whispering it into record execs <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean you have less of a responsibility you're to make your You're not a full-time A&R known. man, but... Right. Okay, I like that perspective a bit better. I agree with that. The other part of this is, obviously, we got music that in songs that's on the, the brink of extinction, bands that you can consider on the brink of extinction. And some of these bands, I looked up. I'm about to name a few of them. I checked them out on Spotify as well, just like you did. Um, and I wanted just to see how many plays they got, just because I remember these bands growing up as a kid in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And I was like, 
man, I remember when they would talk about these bands coming to town and playing shows, but their songs do not get played. They're not they're not in the format anymore of anything. So I was like, all right, let me check it out. I Mother Earth. I'm pretty sure they're a Canadian band. Um, so Spotify, I Mother Earth. Boom. 80,000 plays a month. That's not terrible, but when you compare it to other major acts, they're in the millions of monthly plays. I've never heard of that band before. Exactly. What like yeah. what scene are they from? So they're like a a rock like not necessarily pre-grunge, post-grunge, mid-grunge, anything right. like that. They're more of like a progressive type like soul rock. asylum type. No, they're they vibes. got a little bit of a different feel than Interesting. that. Um, Terrible band name. No wonder no one knows <laughs> yeah. the fuck they are. Another one, Gruntruck. They are definitely a, a member of that sound of what you would consider grunge. Mm. Gruntruck, around 50,000 monthly listens. That man's um, blowing Killdozer out of the fucking water. <laughs> 2,800. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. That's crazy. Um, but Gruntruck is a band I remember like, like, wow, holy crap. And I, they came up on a, a playlist one day, and I was like, damn, I forgot all about this band. <laughs> you know, Spotify is taking on the responsibility here. They're making sure this music gets played for people still that want to hear it. The band that I'll, I'll precipice upon that I fear is in danger of going extinct. Although, if we're going by Spotify numbers or whatever, this won't hold up in court, whatever you want to <laughs> say. But there is a band that came out of Seattle that predated what the modern Seattle scene is, much like a, a Melvin's did. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people know who they are nowadays. Um, and that's because I feel like the people that came up with them kept, kept them alive. And that's Mother Love Bone. Mm-hmm. Mother Love Bone is where Pearl Jam came out of, essentially. Once the lead singer, Andrew Wood, died... Eddie Vedder replaced them. They became Pearl Jam. Mm. But Mother Love Bone was like the most successful band outside of Soundgarden at the time. They were the biggest band that was poised to make it, to do something. You know, they had just enough of the 80s glammy, not necessarily hair rock, but like glammy hard rock sound to them, but with a little bit of something extra. And then the singer died before the album came out. The Underchannel, subterranean entertainment. Time to unplug and sink in. But members of Soundgarden, members of Pearl Jam, members of Screaming Trees, these other groups that came up through the Seattle scene kept that music alive. You know, they would play covers of the song. They would promote it. They would talk about how it was an intricate part of who they were as artists coming up and learning the lessons of rock and roll touring and playing shows and creating music together. Andrew Wood and Chris Cornell were roommates for a long time, but have you guys ever heard a mother love bone song? I have not. I'm sure I have just because of the year, but I, I know specifically that, uh, their purple album cover that they have having really looked into like the Seattle scene. Like I know enough of them and green river, the U men, all those kinds of like early eight and the Melvins, obviously enough of that early 80s Seattle sound, but you could probably play me five songs by them, and I might recognize like the refrain from one of them. Yep. So that's the biggest thing is artists that at this point 
could they be lost to the sands of time? Could they become extinct? And Mother Love Bone is one of those bands that their music, I f- would fear, could be lost. I mean, obviously, there's a legacy there. And obviously, bands that I mentioned earlier, Grunt Truck and I, Mother Earth, are much more at risk. Mm-hmm. What are bands, haws, or groups, or artists that you would consider that you would think are in danger of going extinct? Like their music may never be heard again. I don't even know if I have one in my head, to be honest with yeah. you. I tried looking and looking, but nothing I know is at that level, even remotely. Something that you listen to that you're like, man, maybe I'm the only one who listens to this. Mini golf. <sighs> yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, I've been trying to tell people, but nobody seems to care. No, I truly don't. I don't have one. I looked and looked. You know, you just inspired me with this uh, during this talking Chris Cornell. Do you think that Soundgarden has the potential to be lost to the wayside, except for obviously a couple singles because of the late career success he had with Audio Slave. No. Like when people are going to look back, especially like people in our age group, right? I think Audio Slave is more recognized by most people under 30 than Soundgarden. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. 100%. I don't think it'll be lost, right. but I can understand how Audio Slave for people under the age of 30 would recognize Audio Slave before they would Soundgarden. Like to me, I'm I'm in my, you know getting in the 40s like I see Audio Slave as a supergroup whereas you guys yeah. see it as a legitimate band <laughs> where like these members used to be in other bands but then they formed this other, you know, just like Argent. We listen to Argent Argent was members of the Zombies, which was a pretty successful group. I mean, like the songs that I named that they, you know, it's the time of the season. Like that's a, who doesn't know that song? She's not there. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of bars of that. Um, She's not there. Yeah. Tell me about the way she looks. Yeah, exactly. Um, Huge song. But imagine being that successful then you have to go on to make other music with other bands. Like he, Ron Argent went on to form Argent. One of the other members of the group went on to form the Kinks, you know, be a you know, big member of it at least. Um, I can see where you're coming from with that. We're saying Audio Slave is the representation of what Chris Cornell is mm-hmm. rather than Soundgarden. So maybe, man, it would be tough to admit that Soundgarden's music could fade away <laughs> certain songs maybe right like spoon man's not going anywhere <laughs> not black hole sun <laughs> they made sure they played that shit every hour on the hour but yeah i mean i could lend some credit to what you're saying because music has the potential i mean thank god we live in a digital age where it's at our fingertips could you imagine if the internet didn't exist well i'm going to say it's actually worse because hmm. there's more likely that young people if record stores existed that people would stumble across something like Soundgarden Mm -hmm. because of how many copies of those albums exist could be there but and we think about it with political views like when you're talking about like somebody's in an echo chamber and only really hear like what they want to hear exactly music's the exact same way algorithms are only getting better and better so as that goes on if you only listen to some versions of mainstream hip-hop or mainstream rock and roll Every single month, every single year, your algorithm takes you one step further away from Soundgarden. 
one step further, and then with that, one step further away from Mother Love Bone. Yeah. Because that's the next step, right? You get to Mother Love Bone because you worked your way to Soundgarden, and then you go like, well, where did this come from? And Killdozer never comes into the playlist. Which is a damn shame. <laughs> you know, damn I, shame. I feel like you could look at any genre and say there's one of the pioneers that are going to get lost to time because there's always someone who has the idea to make this style of music, but somebody takes it on and takes it bigger. Like, for instance, Scream, he mm-hmm. is a British music producer, one of the pioneers of dubstep. I thought you were talking about Dave Grohl's band. <laughs> Me too. No, I was not. No, <laughs> was an 80s hardcore dubstep guy. <laughs> I don't remember what year he originated and started music, but I, to my knowledge, he's one of the first guys to make dubstep. But when you talk to... S- Probably even you guys, when I say dubstep, you probably think of Skrillex. I think of Banga. Banga, really? Yeah. It's only because that's the only dubstep I'll listen to. Fair enough. I think of everything you've ever exposed me to. <laughs> yeah. Literally all music you show us yeah. is dubstep. Yeah. All, no, all step. no. We don't want to be dicks about it. Like, I enjoy it. Like, dubstep. You know, I do enjoy it. I will find myself like, you know what? I'm going to put on Tim or... Uh, Hawes' uh, playlist. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the dishes and get dinner ready to that today. Because... It's something to step you outside of your bounds. Like yeah. like you said, if you only sit in an echo chamber, you're never going to expose yourself to anything new. And you're going to be just as much at fault as music going extinct because you didn't listen to something that you're not used to listening to. And I do feel it is a responsibility from myself as a music lover to expose people to the music that I love. I have kids. I make them listen to bands that I listen to. Even if I bought that album for only the one song, I don't care. My kids are going to listen to it because I really dug that song. That song could explain why the way I act, the way I act, maybe. Who knows? True. You Insane know? in the membrane. <laughs> exactly. Insane. Got no brain. Dr. Green Thumbs. Do you, do you think that the act of digging into the roots of music and finding the artists that came before is like antiquated? Because of with streaming, in theory, when I was 13, 14, 15, at that point, all of my favorite artists had either been dead or broken up for 20 to 30 years. (laughs) Most of the music I listened to when I was a teenager, those bands didn't even exist by the time I was 10. I listened to The Doors and The Beatles Mm -hmm. and all of that. And I loved Nirvana, obviously broke up in 94 and Soundgarden. All those bands were well past their heyday. But... I also didn't have Spotify, which every single week is sending me new release music that I could potentially like. I dug into old music because I looked out there and said, hey, there's no new music that I like anymore. But nowadays, there is nothing but new music. I use Hendo as a great example of this. As somebody who is every single day is exploring something new that came out. Yeah. And he might find older albums once in a while and say, wow, I missed out on this. But I think the bulk of the music he listens to now is stuff that comes out within the last couple days. He experiences it, and then he moves on. He experiences it, he tries it out, he listens to it, whatever he does. But I don't know how much he's going, well, you know what? I'm not listening to anything from 2020. There's been times when I'm like, what music came out in 1984? And I'll just go look up music from 1984 just because that's interesting to me. Like It's interesting to me to look at the whole scope of all music at that time and find stuff that's interesting. Like I have a uh, hard drives from when I was 13, 14, where every day all I did was I went on all music. I found a band I liked and then I would go to their influences and I would just download the full discographies of all those bands. 
and I have like you know was it Susie and the Banshees, all that like early '80s post punk stuff, stuff I've still never listened to, <laughs> well, and I know what it maybe. sounds like. It sort of sounds like The Cure, I think, <laughs> but I don't think that most people care about older music anymore. It's wild, man. It's just gonna get lost to the sands of time. TV is the same way, though, right? Hawes, you watch a lot of TV. He's never seen a single episode of Laverne and Shirley. You mostly watch Why? new stuff because it comes because it's always coming out. Yeah, There's yeah. always something new to watch. You don't even need to dig into. Uh, I don't even know what would be good. The Godzilla animated series. Yeah, You're missing out. Man. I mean, from time to time, I'd go back on something like that. But you're right. Thank you guys so much for listening to The Under Channel. We have a whole bunch of other content all across our YouTube channel. Uh, go ahead and click on our icon down below and check out what we have. 